It's the moments that I can just have what I call the sacred pause, right? Like just come and take this pause to just be like, oh, wow, I am alive right now and I could be dead. And so what do I do with the time I have here? I think that's such good medicine. And um, yeah, it's medicine that I, I call in often. Death is a vital part of life. It initiates us into change. It is inevitable. We face our fears and enter our death portals, shedding old skins and ways of being, grieving our losses and re-emerging anew. I'm Ellen Wong. I'm a storyteller and entheogenic death companion. I invite you to enter this portal of discovery with me and together, Let's break our fearful silence and uplift our stories of death and grief so that we can all be inspired to live our lives loud. Welcome to Mom. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Mom. I'm your host, Ellen Wong. And I have another beautiful guest for you today, Sochil Ashe. She is my medicine mentor. I've actually been mentoring with her for the past six months, starting in early 2023. And Sochil's been a, an instrumental teacher um, that has truly changed my life. She is a teacher and a guide in private mentorship programs, workshops, and ceremonies. She's a medicine woman, fifth generation in the Peruvian Andean tradition. She is the founder of Magical Medicine Journeys, an indigenous women-owned retreat company that offers legal Mazatec psilocybin mushroom retreats in Mexico. And the thing that drew me to Sochil to work with her is the fact that she focuses on the healing of generational trauma and the ways in which trauma impairs our ability to thrive, to create wealth, and to have a positive impact on the world. And when I came to Sochil in February 2023, I was really struggling to figure out a way to make my practice sustainable. And I was quickly realizing that, you know, every single one of these years, I feel like holds a theme. There's like an overarching theme in which we are all kind of growing and learning and being challenged. And for me, the theme of 2023 has been all about what does it mean to be in right relationship? And I came to Sochil with one intention. How do I be in right relationship with the sacred mushroom, with the medicine that I walk with? And what I didn't expect was to walk into my own death portal in which I really started to see very clearly ways in which I overgave ways in which I was, in Sochil's terms, over-considering others over myself. And this created an energy leakage, and it showed up in the way I 
price my offerings. It showed up in the way that I schedule my life. It showed up in the ways that I even show up in these offerings too. You know, overgiving of time, overgiving of my own personal resources um, that are finite. And so this year has been a lot of taking a deep look at how I have been leaking energy and really cleaning up the ways in which I operate, <clears throat> the ways in which I show up in this world. And I think Sochal has been the one teacher that has really been walking right next to me by my side, just being that super clear mirror for me, reflecting myself back to me and the ways in which I process, the ways in which I, um, you know, really show up in my practice. And obviously it, it is reflected everywhere. It's reflected in the relationships I have. It's reflected, you know, um, in the way I choose to work, the way I choose to be in partnerships, uh, the way I mother my two dogs. Um, there's so many different ways that this, you know, kind of ripples out. And so in wanting to be in right relationship with the medicine, that question or that intention brought me back to how do I be in right relationship with myself first and foremost. So 2023 has been one giant death portal for me. And I'm so excited to be introducing Sochil to this audience and introducing her medicine, which is just who she is and her wisdom and something that she shared so generously with me for the past six months, um, walking through this death portal. So what I'd like to do is to invite all of you to take a deep breath with me, breathing in through the nose. And gently sighing that breath out with gratitude to the earth. This is so chill. Yeah, we are opening sacred space together. So happy to be here. So we call upon the energy of the earth. Thank you for supporting us as we begin the first episode of this truly needed podcast, because you are the one that gives us life, that gives us our bodies, and you are also the one that takes our bodies and brings us back to you. Thank you for allowing us to have these powerful conversations. Thank you for allowing us to be grounded so that these conversations are medicine. We call upon the blessings of Ellen as she begins these conversations with so many people and shares the true medicine of what it is to be alive, which is learning, accepting, and walking on a path knowing that this is temporary and so we must find the preciousness of every moment on earth. 
So we're calling the energy of the sun, Taita Inti Tonatiu. Thank you for shining upon us, shining upon our words, bringing clarity to conversations, also simplicity, so that when people listen, it touches their hearts. We call in our well ancestors, the remembering that we are their living prayer, that even if they are now in the spirit world, they support us while we are here in this earth plane. We call in all our teachers, our guides, our protectors, our guardians. And we call the four directions, knowing that we are in the middle. And when we call upon them, we always know our way. And we call the sacred medicines. We call Teonanakatl the medicine we will talk about today. May we represent this medicine with great love, great reverence and great respect for its guidance and power. And for this, we are so grateful as we start this new journey together. Oh, Mateo. Oh, Mateo. Thank you, Sochil. You said something just now in the prayer about showing and being able to reveal life and the, the true meaning of like why we're here, like what life is all about. And um, it just made me kind of reflect on what I was doing to prepare for this moment right now as we're sitting here together. And just the feeling of, I think this old programming of fear of feeling like, oh, it has to be perfect. It has to be, it has to sound a certain way. It has to be, you know, the best quality and da 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 all these things. And then just slowly surrendering to that, because really, I feel like the the meaning of being here of this life is to be in the messiness of it and to be in the moment of it and the presence um, of it. And so I just I'm so grateful to be here with you today. And before we even begin talking, I want to I want to lift up this one contemplation for us to hold in this container as we're connecting. Um, and it's from the death meditation the, from the nine contemplations of death by Atisha, who was an 11th century Buddhist scholar. And it's the very first contemplation, which says that death is inevitable. And I feel like of these nine contemplations, this first one, death is inevitable is, um, such a powerful one. And it's one that I continue to meditate on. I feel like even, you know, at a subconscious level every single day, because we're going through so many of these death portals constantly, almost on a moment to moment basis, even with our breath in every exhale, there's a death. And so I just wanted to lift up that one contemplation and have us hold this as we are connecting and speaking today. Um, and because this is our first, my first episode, I also want us to kind of, I want to sort of level set and sort of offer this perspective in these stories that we're telling through this podcast um, and have these stories be like an offering to this collective altar that we all share in. And so my first question for you is, what is your offering today for us? Where do you want to begin? What is my offering? 
Well, right now, as I am contemplating that question, I feel called to say, my presence is my offering. Mm. And it's something that took me a long time to get to, because of course, you know, all the things that we have to heal, the not enoughness, the not worthiness, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I'm really in a space right now where I feel like humbleness is overrated, at least with um, fellow BIPOC folk. I think like I, I have mastered in many ways humbleness <laughs> and I played small sometimes. And so it feels really good to say my presence is the offering and to by saying that give honoring to life. Mm. Like I'm here, I'm alive and I choose to show up in this moment with you, with all the listeners. And I think that that's the highest level of honoring that we can give life itself, the energy of life, the honoring of acknowledging that our presence is a gift. I'm letting that seep in because the flip side of that as you were talking is the fear of showing up, right? The fear of being seen, the fear of being heard, the fear of being witness for who you are, your truth. And I, we've talked about this in a previous podcast conversation before, but I feel like each one of these fears of presence, literally presence is it tracks back to a fear of death in some way, shape or form. And I think it looks different, a little different for each one of us. But I'm curious, as you're talking about this offering being your presence, if there has been this fear of death that has kind of been maybe even in the background of your life and everything that you do and how you show up. Yeah. Um, you spoke on you know, having to make sure that everything was perfect, you said, right? You used the word perfect. Um, and then realizing like, wait, I get to be messy because that is life. Mm -hmm. And I feel that perfection itself, like wanting to be perfect without the realization that we already are, mm -hmm. because I want to be really specific. It's not, um, the perfection isn't the wound. It's how we approach it, right? So it's coming from a place where we don't acknowledge or we don't recognize, or we've just not have been taught that we already are perfect as is. And part of that perfection is the messiness. Like messiness is actually part of the perfect plan. I love right? that. Yeah. Yeah. Such as death, right? So it's actually the fear of not being perfect that I find when you said that, I was like, Oh, actually the fear of, of not being perfect. Perfectionism is, is so much about the fear of dying. Mm. Right? Like if we are not perfect, then, then we are going to die in some way. Somebody will criticize us and, 
and a part of us will die. Yeah. You know, that there will be so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. there'll be critique or there will be um being outed, right? Like being expelled from the community. Mm-hmm. I think that that's sometimes people are like, oh no, no, I'm not afraid of criticism. And then I dig a little deeper with clients <laughs> and myself because everything I do with clients really is is because it helps me get to to like my own learning, my own process. You know, I feel like working with clients is a collaborative process where as they grow, I grow, uh, which I love. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when when I scratch a little bit, it's like, oh, you're not okay. So what is it? You're not scared to be criticized. Oh, but you are scared of not belonging Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because not belonging has historically equaled death. Right. Yeah. Being ostracized from the tribe, Mm -hmm. being kicked out and not having your family sort of support you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious in this moment in time, and we're, we're recording this. August 2nd, the day after the Aquarius full moon, and we're still in the energies of this, uh, this moon, um, that I feel like has been so illuminating. I mean, as full moons go, but I feel like there's, there's this pervasive, um, thing that has been coming up in different circles and in different client, like private client uh, sessions where people are feeling kind of like there's a, a page flip happening, like a new chapter about to start. And every time we have a new chapter, I feel like there is always a death, right? It's the death that allows for that new chapter to come through. And I'm curious right now if you're feeling that and also what that new chapter is looking like for you. Are you asking like in my personal life or how do I <laughs> see what's happening in the world? Both, actually, whatever, however you (laughs) interpret that question. Hmm. I do. I I feel like there is a a new chapter happening in in my life. Uh, I'm turning 46 this year, which for me, it's like, oh, wait, now we're getting closer to 50. (laughs) And I am noticing certain things about myself, not just personality, but also like body, right? Like, oh, okay. And there was a a time where a lot of younger women, you know, like women in their 20s and 30s would welcome me, but as like a contemporary of theirs, like a peer. And, you know, I never, I never was um, offended by that, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I, I see f- females as, as my sisters, right? Like I love to build community with other women. But this year I realized I'm like, wait, hold on. Like I actually had to reflect um, when I've been amongst younger women that are good friends and I had to reflect like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I have 10 years of experience on this earth more than you. Mm-hmm. Or I have, you know, I even told um, 
one of my friends, she's a younger woman, and I was like giving her some business advice. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm 23 years older than you. And so I started the conversation by saying that. And it's the first time I ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I really was like happy to like, okay, so we age. And yes, there's great things with aging because you feel more secure in your body and you also feel more secure on your path, hopefully, right? It doesn't, Mm -hmm. that's not the case for everybody. I'm just talking about myself. But there's also some things about aging that you're like, oh, hold on a sec. I'm getting closer to death. (laughs) Right? Like I I have approximately, if I stay in good health, maybe 35 good summers. Mm. And that like 35 good summers, like that really that brings it home. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And so since there's all these other things that come with aging that I'm not saying they're negative in any way, but they definitely take some getting used to. Mm -hmm. I feel like, hold on, I got 20 years of experience, knowledge and wisdom. And so I'm going to lead what I'm about to say with that. So you can like, you know, like I was going to say lift your ears up, but yeah, like, you know, like when dogs, they're like, hmm? and they lift their little ears up. Yeah, so like lift your ears up, you know, I got something to say. And not because I'm better than you, but because there is an honoring and acknowledging a respect that I'm giving myself that I've been here on this earth, you know, for 23 more years than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that felt, that felt good. And that's a different chapter for me mm. to, to acknowledge that I'm not quite an elder, but I'm definitely a wise woman now. Thank you for saying this, actually. Thank you for lifting this up because, um, I'm about to turn 47 in two days. And so this is actually very top of mind for me as well. Um, And it really speaks a lot to, I think, the old programs that I had, especially when I was in the agency and, you know, working in a way where attractiveness is like, you know, definitely a lot and being young and vibrant and all the, all the things that come with, you know, anti-aging and, you know, um, trying to act as if you are, you know, a decade younger than you actually are, um, was always praised. And so it's taken a really long time for me to even grow out my gray hair and allow that just to be shown as who part of me, you know, not trying to cover it up and actually starting to feel pride when I see these gray hairs, because I feel like every single one of them, I actually, like it was earned. (laughs) It was like earned to be on my head. And I don't want to, you know, remove them anymore. To me, I feel like there's something, perhaps it's like kind of coming a little bit 
it's a, it's a form of presence too. It's a form of just accepting who I am in this moment in my life and not trying to, you know, alter it or create this illusion that I haven't lived as long as I have. But actually, as you're saying, you know, being really proud that there's a lot of people that I get a, the honor of helping and, and guiding and some of my private clients that are younger. And um, I feel like I've just gotten permission from you to say like, yeah, I've got some years up on you. And that's actually a great thing. I can, you know, it's, it's part of who I am. Yeah. And, and in many ways, like if we can be with aging, we can also be with death. Yeah. Right. Like they go hand in hand. I feel like aging and death are sisters. Mm -hmm. They're sisters. One moves slow and one moves fast, mm -hmm. but they walk on the same path. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they do once you start to really um, accept the fact that you are aging, there is another contemplation in the, that nine contemplations of death that says my lifespan is ever decreasing every single moment. And it's something that I think, you know, we don't really think about perhaps when we're younger, I I certainly did not think about that when I was in my twenties or thirties, even early forties, you know, it's really not until the last year or so that this has really become like, Oh man, like, okay, there you're right. 35 more summers, if you're lucky, right. If, if, you know, if the universe ordains that you have 35 more summers, but I, I sometimes count it in, um, you know, we both have aging parents and I count it in phone calls to my mother because I talk to her usually on average, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending on my schedule and, um, you know, what she's doing as well. But the number of calls that I make to her is now really dwindling down. Um, and I really don't know how many more phone calls we're going to have or how many visits I'm going to be able to have to her in Houston. And so there's something about the number. There's something about holding the number of and, and really being honest about, wow, I mean, I may only have 35 more summers. I may only have, I don't know, 60 more phone calls to her, you know, before she passes. Um, and there's just mm. something very sobering about just even allowing yourself to hold these numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, I experienced something similar when I actually did my podcast interview with one of my best friends that passed in June. So it's been you know, uh, maybe a month and a half approximately that she's mm -hmm. passed. And she was, she was uh, dancing. I don't like saying battling because mm -hmm. I don't feel like she battled. You know, I feel like she was dancing. And sometimes the dance was not the most pleasant, right? Sometimes it was an uncomfortable dance, but she specifically 
danced. Hmm. She did. And I really admired her process of how she took it on her diagnosis and just everything, um, how she walked that path, not, not with the sister of aging that we talked about, but with the other sister, you know, which is um, illness, mm -hmm. right? Like death has a, has a few sisters. <laughs> I like the way I like seeing them as a family. Yeah. 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 Because they work together, you know, like, so what takes you out, right? What takes you out to the realms of the universe, to the cosmos, to the, to that place where you are everything and nothing, right? Which is death. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the sister of aging, the sister of illness. And it could also be like the sister of accident. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Like, like those deaths that are like, what? I was not expecting that. And all of a sudden car crash or, or, you know, my, my top, my top fear is like plane crash. <laughs> no. Same. Um, right. And, and then there's, I think there's a, a, a sister that we consider evil in that um, there are four sisters I've identified. And, and we're, we don't like that sister, you know, but that sister exists and it's very real for many people, you know, and that's the sister that, that takes you to the death realms through murder, mm -hmm. you know, having somebody whether they were in their right mind or not, decide that it should be your last day, right? Um, but yeah, there, there must be, I, I, I cannot go into those realms without being completely armed with the knowing and the faith that there's a perfection that I don't have to understand, mm. right? But yeah, those four sisters, right? That like, we're going to meet. We, we're not going to meet all of them. You know, you're not going to meet accident, maybe. Um, maybe if you're lucky, you will, you will meet aging, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's a good sister to me. Like, yeah, I want to meet aging. I want to walk with aging, right? And now it like... Doesn't that take aging to a whole nother level now? Like it breaks the paradigm of like, oh no, I'm not this beautiful, young, sexy thing that people desire, right? Which is like why we don't want the sister of aging to come. But if mm -hmm. you have the four sisters and you have a choice, it's like, okay, do I go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not Please that we don't. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. We don't, we don't have a choice, right? Like we don't. But if you did have a choice, which sister would you, you know, which sister do you want to go with, right? You want to go with the the aging sister, the accident sister, the illness sister, or, you know, the one that we consider the evil sister, which is death by upon others' decision. Yeah. Right? yeah. And now I'm like, aging, come over here. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, like me make an altar actually to the sister of aging. Right? I love that idea. I love that idea of embracing her and allowing her to, you know, just to walk with us, you know, when, instead of just like 
no, you're not invited to this party, <laughs> you know, just pushing her out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think there is another sister actually, but she hides, you know, because not a lot of people want to talk about her, but she is the sister of suicide. Mm. You know, mm. when you were saying murder, I actually was wondering it's, you know, in some ways, I wonder if those are like, like actually twin sisters, you know, um, mm -hmm. in terms of like, just the taking of a life, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether it's your own or somebody else's. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, they mm -hmm. probably are. They walk together very closely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is um, this is how I like to see the world, right? Like our, our indigenous traditions always um, saw processes and were able to see them in form to better understand them. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I thought about like the three sisters, we talk a lot about the three sisters in, in um, farming, in agriculture, which are corn, squash, and beans, right? Mm -hmm. And they all help each other. And actually, that is the substance that people from the Americas lived on. Like if you had corn, beans, and squash, like everything was okay. Like you were in this incredible bounty. So those were like the sisters of life for our people. Mm. And, you know, and so I, as, as we were, we've been talking about death, I was like, oh yeah, there's sisters too. Yeah. That death calls upon for support. Like death can't do it all by itself. It's like, you know, it's like, hold on. Like, okay, you do this, you do that. Okay. You go over there. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And to embrace the sister of aging, um, because we're lucky to age. I, you know, my, my friend, my, one of my bestest friends, she was about to turn 41 mm -hmm. and she wanted to live so badly. Like she was even to the end of her last breath. Like she, when, when she could still talk, she was telling people like, I'm not done yet. I still have music inside. She was a, a medicine musician. Mm. And yeah, like I'm here. We're here. And if we are not doing a dance with death every day, like inviting death, inviting her in our realm. And I'm talking about me. Like if I'm not inviting death in my realm, like if I don't, you know, if I don't think about death, then I'm not truly living because sometimes we, you know, like today was a really long day. I started my day at six in the morning and I'm still not like after this interview, I have another client and my days have been so full. And even though I bring a lot of spirituality and what I do has to do with helping others connect to spirit, you know, there's still like I had three hours of no. Today I had five hours of administrative work, right? And I mean, I have a team, so it's more like directing a team, but even the directing of a team is like, I am doing things. Yes, they bring me joy, but you know, I, I, I'm not like thinking about death when I'm editing something or, or telling my different, you know, team members to like, okay, you have to do this. Like, I'm not thinking about death. 
And it's the moments that I can just have what I call the sacred pause, right? Like just come and take this pause to just be like, oh, wow, I am alive right now and I could be dead. And so what do I do with the time I have here? Mm. I think that's such good medicine. And um, yeah, it's medicine that I, I call in often, but it's mm. a practice. It's a practice to be, whew, it's a practice to be with the medicine of death. Mm. Because as much as it helps us to, like when we are with the medicine of death, we are like the most alive. Yeah. We are in such gratitude with every single moment. Like it's magic. Mm. It's like things start to get like shinier and brighter and like, oh my God, yes, I want to like, you know, my calendar is full for the next three months, but yes, I don't care if I just worked for who knows how many hours I want to show up to this podcast because I'm going to have a conversation with Ellen. Like, yes, right? Like, Death, the medicine of death allows you to be a full yes to life. And what else is there? I mean, that's it. We 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 solved the the meaning of life, people. <laughs> well, Dropping the mic. <laughs> this podcast is gonna be one episode long and it's just gonna be this one. <laughs> I mean, I keep on going back to like how we even opened. And when I asked you what your offering was and you said presence, you know, my mm -hmm. presence right now. And as you're sharing this about the medicine of death and, you know, how it allows us to say yes to life, it really is the yes to presence. It's your, I think your, your presence in every, every moment of your life and every offering that you, um, that you create, that I've had the honor of being a part of, your presence is because you don't take this life for granted. And it's because I think you welcome the medicine of death that I think so many resist also. And it's, you know, it's not an easy medicine to take and, and an easy medicine to walk with, as you said there's, you know, it gets sticky and it gets really, really uncomfortable. Um, and I think it, it opens you up in a way that I think very few other things do and quite like this, you know, every time you experience the death of a loved one and are reminded that I may have 35 more summers, you know, if, if I am, you know, lucky if I'm being given that gift, but I think it's just, just even, it sounds so simple, but just even knowing that presence is what you get from death, being present in all of your senses, in your body, on this earth, while you're alive and being able to do all the incredible things that you're doing. Uh, what a gift, not just for you, but for all of us who get to witness that too. Yeah. And you know, we're talking about the death of our bodies, but really this is a bigger conversation. And it's a conversation that it's important to acknowledge that it's like, we have deaths all the time, mm -hmm. right? We have so many deaths, like divorce is a death of, oh my God, like, you know, helping so many clients with their divorces. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, this is, 
one of the big deaths that people go through while they are alive, mm -hmm. right? The death of your career. If let's say you were a doctor and something went wrong in surgery and you got sued and like you spent seven plus years to be a doctor, right? Like a long time of your life dedicated to being a doctor. And then all of a sudden you cannot practice anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or like those people that get hurt and they're amazing athletes and like, I, they will never play again in that way. Like these are big deaths that we experience while we're alive. And sometimes it's also like our deaths are not about our own own physical body, but the bodies of those people that we cherish the most in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen people, you know, in my practice who come and, and they've been, I won't say grieving. I'll say, because sometimes it's not grieving. Some, sometimes it's like mourning, mm -hmm. you know? Like they, they, they actually didn't go through the grieving process and that's why they're still in it. Mm -hmm. They resisted it. And so they're in the morning. I, I met this person who had been mourning her brother for 11 years. Wow. Like, and it, she, she felt the same way, like it haunted her, his death. And she felt the same way she felt like when he died. And, you know, they say time heals. And yes, it does. But you also have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we worked on it. I was like, okay, you know, with a lot of compassion, there's no criticism here. You know, there's no right. Like she's not wrong for, for going on that path. Right. Like I'm not right for, for saying like, oh, like you're mourning and not grieving. Like, no, no, no. This is about workability. Like it either works or doesn't work for your life. And that did not work for her life. And so we had a really, you know, during, it was actually during a ceremony and we had a really good conversation about it, like a good healing about it. Um, and she was able to like free herself from that morning and, and move through the process of grief Wow. So good. Such good medicine when we can grieve. Yeah. Such yeah. good medicine. And who she was on the other side was like, she found herself again. It's almost like, you know, when, when we cannot move from these places where we just stay in that place of resisting death, right? Like we resist it then it's like what re what you resist persists, right? So we stay in it, we stay in it. And then a part, an important part of us dies. Mm -hmm. um, a mentor of mine, he told me once, he's like, Sotil, it's way better to die many times while you're alive. Like have, like go for the small deaths rather than the big deaths. Mm. And what that meant because of course I was like, huh? Okay, explain it. <laughs> I want it to be crystal clear. Like, what does that really mean? And so the small deaths are, for example, the death of telling your partner, like, this isn't working for me mm. before you actually get to divorce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a little death to be like, this isn't working for me. And, and 
are you down to do the work with me or not? And that, that is a little death because it's like, oh, sometimes it's so uncomfortable to have those conversations mm -hmm. and you feel like you're going to die when you're having them. But that conversation could be the birth of, of, of having like the best relationship you may ever have again, you know, like revitalizing your marriage. But people don't like those small deaths. They resist them until like one of the partners is like serving you with divorce papers. And now you got to deal with the big death of like, what? Like, how could this happen? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the small death of like, you love meat. You love red meat. You adore it. You eat it at every meal. And you just went to the hospital and the doctor said, you have the highest cholesterol and you cannot eat red meat again, ever. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to stop eating meat because you love it so much. And it would mean that a part of you who's like, you know, who knows, maybe you, you, uh, you know, you have a few, uh, livestock and that's what you do right so it would mean like the death the small death really of of you and your personality mm -hmm. but some people are like nope i don't care what the doctor said or i'm just going to ignore it i'm going to be in denial and then you're at the operating table right from a heart attack and that's uh, maybe you didn't die but that's that's a big death yeah right so it's like we get a chance at every moment, every, seriously, like every day, moment to moment, like, are you going to allow yourself to die small deaths or are you going to resist, deny, ignore that death is knocking all the time? Like, Hey, Hey, let me, but you know, this has to die over here because we, we need, we need it for compost for what you are growing next. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to just keep ignoring the little deaths, then, you know, you're going to have to experience the big deaths while you're alive. And while they create a lot of growth and in many ways create who we are, those big deaths, mm -hmm. I have to say I have as much as I can live the life of as many little deaths as I can so that, you know, I don't, I don't have to have those experiences if I can help it. Right. I think that's such good medicine in that choose the small death. And I feel like that was, a, I mean, had I met you and we are always destined to meet the people that are, are meant to be our teachers when we when we do but I think back to my 20 something self 30 something self who basically was just resisting grief her entire life resisting feeling the grief of her dad's death until finally it catches up and it's just by that point I still remember this moment like after I left my career where it felt heavy it was just, and it wasn't that it was weight on my physical body. It was energetic weight. And, and I remember feeling the difficulty in just smiling, you know, it was so hard and I almost needed a mind altering substance in order to get me to be able to do that. And so that became my escape route for so many different things. Just take whatever, drink a lot, 
and then you'll be able to lift up these heavy loads and be able to smile. But yeah, I wasn't allowing myself to actually experience that big death. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And, and, you know, death, deaths are big deaths are initiations too. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when people are like in those big deaths, I say, you know, okay. The, the hardest thing about being in big deaths while we're alive is that if somebody finally would tell us like, Oh, you're experiencing a big death. You're in an in initiation. Initiation mm. has begun. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like we don't or i mean not a i'm not saying i'm just talking for like the general public right like most of us living in the western world i'm not saying that this applies to every single person but for the most part these indigenous rites of passage that most folk from around the world used to have are almost non-existent Mm -hmm. right like one of the rites of passage that is a big death for women is the rites of passage of menopause mm -hmm. right so when we're younger and you know you you can have your period from like it it's like girls are getting younger and younger um I'm, i've been talking to a midwife and she was sharing that with us you know, like, so like, that's an initiation, like from little girl to like, now it's like, oh my God, what's happening to my body? Like the little girl in many ways has to die. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, okay, you're no longer a little girl. And then you're like, oh, okay, great. It's like, no, no, no. Your body tells you like, you are, you are now a different kind of being. Right. And then we have menopause, which no one talks about. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Right? But, but it's a, it's a, it could be a big death um, unless you understand it as a true initiation. My, my uh, midwife elder teacher, she said, and, and, you know, of course you would know, um, she told me that in China, the word for menopause translates to the second spring. I'm going to have to ask my mom that. Yeah. Because it's not a common, um, it's not a Mandarin word that I use very commonly. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I have no idea what the term is or like what the Chinese word is. That's really interesting. Yeah. I love that. That visual visual you know the second spring wow yeah yeah and so you know i'm 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 also practicing like when i teach when i talk about these concepts like i make sure like i'm walking the talk and i put myself in a four-week uh, circle here where i'm living in mexico with this elder midwife i'm not i'm not perimenopausal yet nor menopausal but it is talking about menopause and this the circle and we're learning about it and that's how like part of me i mean i didn't have a there was no resistance but i think that i've trained myself not to have resistance yeah right but part of me i could hear a little tiny like very quiet part of like oh my god you're gonna go to 
menopause class? You're not even in perimenopause. <laughs> what, what, why? And it's because, you know what? Like that's a big initiation and I'm 46. Not yet, but in a few months <laughs> still, <laughs> right? Like I want the small deaths, bring them on. Yeah. Like, like going to this circle with other women, you know, there's some women in there that are 55, 60, you know, there's also some, some women that are like 38, you know, and going to the circle and putting myself in a student position, because I have no, I have no, I mean, I have no idea. I have, I have none. I, I did it before this class. I like could only tell you a little bit. Okay. So menopause, you you know, you no longer have a period, you get hot flashes. It seems like it's really not a good time. All right. Besides that, like, I, I don't know. I had no, no, no other idea of what, what is coming. Yeah. Right. But it's like, no, I'm going to take myself and I'm going to put myself in a space where I can have little deaths, like a, around hearing things that might be uncomfortable. So I may prepare myself for this big initiation. And it's like, oh, wow, there's also herbs that I can now use to prepare for that. And wow, you know, we'll, we'll have to confirm if, if what my, my elder says, you know, she is not Chinese, but she says that, you know, menopause is the second spring. Like, I'm like, I love spring. It's the second one. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a party. Now it's like yeah. something to celebrate. Now it's a party. And then she says that this is the age where women become magas, which the translation would be like, um, like priestesses, wizards, you know? Wow. I yeah. love that. Yeah. You know, what you're describing also is, I mean, what's bringing to mind, honestly, is my husband and I just went through advanced planning for our end of life. And we took a course, like an online course with a Lua Arthur, the person I, I studied death doula training from, and it just guides you in advanced planning, you know, for your end of life. And so much of this is just, you know, if you these are big portals, big death portals, big initiation portals. And so what I'm hearing from you is it's so amazing and rad to hear that you are preparing yourself for this big initiation by learning through education, all the things that you will be expecting. And in doing so, when you reach that phase, you can enter it into it with like more grace and ease and allowance and probably a lot like armed with so many more medicines that will help you and support you. I, to me, I feel like this is exactly, I think we get so blindsided by some of these big life transitions that we all go through, but we just prefer not to think about it or talk about it until it's like upon us and then smacking us in the face. But just with a little bit of just, you know, it requires us to show up. It requires us to face that resistance and face a little bit of whatever sticky fear we may be experiencing. Mm -hmm. And maybe for some of us a lot, it's like very sticky fear because we've had trauma from these kinds of experiences or witnessing other people going through a not so fun journey, even something like menopause, which I've heard plenty of horror stories about in my, from my own circle of, of friends. So yeah, I love that you're doing this and preparing yourself. I have been thinking about how I want to structure this um, this particular podcast and how I want to 
um, end every episode. And I've come up with five questions that if you'll indulge me, I would love to ask them of you. And um, we'll see if it makes it to the final edit. But there are questions that are not necessarily super serious in nature, but you know, may take a little bit of thinking. Um, but are you down for that? Yeah, but what I do want to say before we do that yeah. is I just want to acknowledge you for deciding to so courageously and boldly follow this path that your heart was leading you to. Thank you. you know, following yeah. this path of of realizing like, wait, I want to support people with these portals, with these death portals, not just the portal of actually accompanying somebody through their physical death, but I want to accompany people through the portals of their big deaths. Yeah. I find I find you to be one of those specialists. You know, the thank you, Sergio. Yeah, like somebody who is like when the big portals feel too big, who do you call? (laughs) (laughs) I need like a theme like Ghostbusters. It's true. It actually, to be honest, it actually excites me. And I think as we, you know, you're, you work with the medicine as well with the sacred mushroom. And I feel like there's something that's so, um, enlivening and affirming about life when I get the honor of being in these portals, you know, whether it is through a medicine journey or through my mentorship program, and witnessing people going through these earth shattering, almost like life shattering transitions. How to me, I just feel like, wait, what an honor, what an honor to be able to walk with people through something that is just so, I mean, they're literally transforming and metamorphosizing in front of my eyes, you know, every single session we meet or, you know, as, as they're preparing for their medicine journey and embarking into this, you know, this, initiation this death portal by way of the medicine it's just a profound honor yeah it is and thank you for doing this podcast because i feel that you've tapped into something really important which is so incredibly needed to have these conversations about death and to circle back you know i was talking about the little deaths like let's like let's really make a commitment like to not resist the little deaths. Like for me to not resist the little death was to put myself in a class around uh, about perimenopause and menopause. Mm -hmm. And so like these conversations, this podcast is that medicine that people can access. So I'm just saying like, you better listen to this. This is big medicine people. (laughs) And Ellen is going to be bringing incredible people to talk about what most people do not want to talk about. They are resisting not only the big deaths in their life, but the big death that we have to actually walk with and and, and ultimately meet like one of those, you know, was it four or five? I think we ended up with five sisters, right? Five sisters, yeah. 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 And so I'm just um I'm feeling very honored that I could be here and really honored that you know I could witness you deciding to start this podcast. 
because I know that this podcast is going to be big medicine to all those that listen. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I receive that fully. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really grateful and happy to be here, especially here with you on this very first conversation. Yeah. I'm ready for the question. <laughs> I think. I don't know. All Maybe right. they're little deaths. They are. They may. Mm, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And this is like kind of like a speed round. Whatever comes up yeah. organically. Yeah. Feel free to just share. Okay. So. First question, what would you want to be your final meal on earth? That's easy. Ethiopian food. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I, I still need to give Ethiopian food another chance. I'm, I'm so sad that I had a horrible experience. That was my first one. I'm <laughs> sorry, LA. Oh, I don't want, no, I don't want to talk bad. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to say Oakland has a really great Ethiopian food. That's all oh. I will say. <laughs> okay. I am going to travel up there to actually have my, my second Ethiopian meal ever. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. This next question, what song or sound do you want to be hearing as you take your final breath? So that's two questions though, because there's like sound, like the sound of my dad or the sound of my husband or, the, you know, like the sound of community in the background. Mm -hmm. I, I loved, you know, I really honor my, my friend Marisa who passed like so many of our community, like showed up. She was one of those people that really brought community together to the point where, you know, every day while she was on, I guess, uh, hospice mm -hmm. right like she would have i mean but it was at home she would have like 10 to 15 people coming to see her and wow. you know there there were noises of little kids of just families just and not only blood family but community the the sounds of of people that love you yeah that would be if it's sound if it's music i mean that's a whole nother story <laughs> that sounds really beautiful i hadn't thought about community for myself but i love that and i'm already hearing that in in my head too um yeah, yeah beautiful marisa had a, a playlist that kept playing during her time when she was you know when the veil the, the veil became thin mm. her last few days and it was a, um, a, a playlist of medicine music and, and beautiful music and, and all of us added to it. Wow. And it was just, it was like mantras and medicine music and um, music with beautiful lyrics and calming music. And, and so, yeah, she, she had, she was very purposeful around having this playlist. I love that it was community curated as well, that you guys all could support yeah. in that. I had not ever thought about a death playlist before. Um, and fairly recently, there was a Japanese composer, artist, music, musical artist named Ryuichi Sakumoto that passed. And um, he, I guess, post, 
I can't ever say this word, but after his death, his playlist was shared with um, his fans. And so it was the first time that I was thinking, wow, that's what a beautiful idea to have a death playlist. And it makes me want to start to create my own even now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, what is one sensory experience that you will miss so much on this earth? Holding animals, like holding my cat or holding a little puppy or, yeah, like animals. Animals do it for me every time. I'm such a lover of plants and animals, but animals, like baby animals, animals of all kinds, furry ones, soft ones, funny ones. <laughs> I love that. What is something that you want to leave as your legacy for the next generation? Mm. Well, I'm already doing it, but mm -hmm. you'd have to sign a non-disclosure agreement until October. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I wish I could talk about it. Um, but yeah, I decided it's going to be, it's going to be two years. I think I had this, idea and actually i had the idea for this project i'm gonna say 15 years ago and you know i had to grow up and and really have a deeper understanding of why this idea was calling to me mm -hmm. um but i call it's definitely my legacy project it's a project that i will start but it will live on and it will be a great contribution to plant medicine um, indigenous people from around the world that work with plant medicine. And, um, yeah, we are, um, we're in the process. We're going to, we're going to unveil it in October at a big conference. Um, but I cannot talk about it until then, but yes, I, Amazing. that will be my legacy. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Sounds awesome. Um, and final question, if you could start this life all over again, what is one thing you would do differently? Nothing, absolutely nothing. I, I choose to live life with zero regrets as part of my small death protocol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I, I like. The other day in the shower, I was actually con contemplating this. I was like, is there anything I regret? Like, what do I regret? And I, and, and it was like a funny thing that was like, that came through, you know, it was like this one summer I got invited to um, like a summer business school at Harvard. And I was in this place where I was resisting business so much because, you know, I'm a medicine woman and an artist and um, I grew up around people um, that are very conscious and activists and, and no, and, and the way that people saw business was as like pro-capitalism and pro-empire and pro everything that's wrong with the world that affects animals, plants and people. And so I got this because I've always been really like 
that's one of my geniuses is I've always been a prolific visionary entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But at that time, when that opportunity was offered, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to pursue the path of business. Um, so that might've been cool, but you know what? I did it in other ways and I've been able to come to peace with conscious business, doing business my own way and the power of, of business and doing it so that it's good for the earth and good for everyone. And so I did it my own way, but that, you know, that might be one thing that I'm like, hmm, I don't regret it, but that like, that's an interesting opportunity hmm, that I might've missed. But you know what? I mean, I'm, a, I'm on panel with like Harvard uh, PhDs and I'm just like, it's all good. <laughs> We're all human. <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, I can definitely say that you have completely transformed my personal approach to business, which sounds very resonant with what you were describing from your past. And I'm just so grateful for everything that you've taught me so far um, in life and especially about death as well through this conversation and just through the work that we're doing together through your mentorship program. Just so, so grateful that you are in my life and that I get this honor of walking with you and witnessing you and being witnessed by you. And just thank you for your wisdom always and for your presence here today, especially. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for doing this podcast and this work. I'm so excited to see how it's going to spread and, and how it's going to be so well received that mm -hmm. it will open doors of, of opportunity to the life that you're calling in and also to the death that you're calling in. Indeed. Oh, and, yes. and may the prayer be that you walk with the sister of aging. <laughs> Thank you. And you live a long and healthy life. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and joining in our conversation. Mom is produced by Trip with Ellen with so much joy and so much gratitude for bringing these intimate stories to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your preferred podcast app and take the time to leave us a review. This ensures that we can continue to sustain our production through your support, which opens up new monetization streams for us. Follow us on Instagram at mumthepod. See you at the next episode. Until then, remember, every death offers a portal to life. If you're in the middle of a life transition, a death portal, I'm talking to you right now. If you're feeling lost, stuck, unsure of what to do or where to go, this message is for you. Congratulations. You, my friend, have been initiated. I created my Death Rebirth Mentorship Program to companion you through this death portal, shedding relationships, careers, patterns of behavior, aspects of your personality that no longer serve. For 13 weeks, I walk right next to you as you learn to be with the sensations of your body, facing your fears, your wounds, your anger, shame, and grief. 
You learn how to befriend your inner critic and help them soften. You begin to recognize the many ways you have normalized systemic oppression in your body, grinding and hustling and burning out your life force energy. You discover the root of your scarcity, your fear of abandonment, rejection, failure. You resolve the charge from ancestral and developmental trauma so that you can be liberated to create the life that you've been longing for. You start to see the signs, the nudges from the universe, the unseen, nature. You suddenly realize you are never walking alone. You begin celebrating your body, learning to listen to the wisdom your body shares through sensations and emotions. You become your inner child's best friend and begin to accept all versions of you that you've previously shamed or rejected or disowned. You heal. You become whole again. You strengthen your belief in your gifts, your power, your direction. You begin to realign to the values of your infinite essential being. You get clear. You know who you truly are. By bravely walking through this death portal, you develop a trust and a belief that allows you to fully surrender into your most easeful, powerful expression of you. Go to tripwithellen.com and sign up for a free discovery call. Listeners get a $250 discount if you mention mom during our call. Thank you for the honor of witnessing, companioning, and guiding you through this death and rebirth.